Welcome to the Mission Daily. I'm Chad Grills. I'm joined by Ian Faison. Hello, sir. You know, today I feel quite healthy. I feel healthy, wealthy, and wise. What a wonderful day. Thanks for tuning in. Today we have a great episode. It's part of a larger series we're doing here on the Mission Daily, which is called Find Your Mission. And today's episode is about health. It's about how to master your mind, your body, and your microbiome. In the previous episodes, we were talking about viewing yourself as a function that can create whatever output you want if you're willing to put in the right inputs. And in this episode, we're going to get specific with some of the inputs that might be great to experiment with. And we all know that you are what you eat. And in this episode, we cover some uh, some new ideas for eating and uh, drinking that maybe you weren't thinking about, or maybe you were. Yeah. So basically, we're going to be talking about the stuff you're putting into your body. And the yes. reason why that matters is because it turns out it's really important for your brain uh, to have good inputs for what you're eating and drinking and all that sort of stuff. So it really and is. And, and we're not, we don't mean this to be. It's, this is not specifically prescriptive, but it is designed to give you some ideas. I think we all see the problem with fad diets or thinking that you need to go paleo or you need to go gluten-free or vegan or anything like that. And it's astonishing how quickly these ideas or diets or fads turn into dogmatic ideologies, where if you do anything outside of them, you're going to get in trouble or you're going to you know, be outcast from the group. Um, and I, I don't think you have to go that far. You don't have to go that deep into a single diet or lifestyle. Um, but these are just ideas to explore. And before we get started, uh, Ian, where'd you go to medical school? Okay. <laughs> uh, UBT. <laughs> University behind target. <laughs> and um, for everyone who is uh, wondering about me, I, I did my residency. At, no, I'm just kidding. I don't have any formal medical <laughs> education. Neither does Yen. We don't have any uh, formal nutrition or dietary education either. We've just read a lot of books and we're curators of knowledge. So this is not advice from a doctor. We don't play doctors on podcasts or anywhere else that I know of. But you'll find, you'll definitely get some some pretty cool insights and tidbits that we've found. From real doctors though. And yeah, one of the doctors. real doctors in particular is Dr. David Perlmutter. And so he has a famous book called, um, well, a couple of books, but like Grain Brain is one of them. And then he has a couple others that are just about the type of foods you eat and uh, specifically the best foods for optimal brain health. So Dr. Perlmutter says, researchers have known for some time now that the cornerstone of all degenerative conditions, including brain disorders, is inflammation. But what they didn't have that documented until now are the instigators of inflammation, the first missteps that prompt this deadly reaction. And what they are finding is that gluten and a high carbohydrate diet, for that matter, are among the most prominent stimulators of the inflammatory pathways that reach the brain. So what's he saying there? He's saying that gluten and high carbohydrate uh, diets. So grains, breads, starches, things like that are the type of things that are going to spike your insulin levels. Um, in the case of gluten with certain people, it can irritate their gut and their microbiome, which causes small tears in the intestine, actually causes feces to leak in the bloodstream and a bunch of other nasty stuff. And Dr. Perlmutter is basically just sounding the alarm that you might want to think about how the food you eat impacts your brain. And so how do we get here, right? How do we get to the point where you know, so humans are alive for thousands of years and we figured out how to do using technology and other things, how to mass produce all sorts of crazy amounts of grain and other things. And so in 1992, the U.S. government 
recommended a low fat, high carbohydrate diet to all Americans. So that was based on one study, yeah. <laughs> one study about cholesterol that is, has famously been misinterpreted by scientists all across the board. And it basically said that cholesterol was bad. That's not the case at all. Now, every study that comes out typically shows that you need cholesterol for brain health. And in fact, uh, high cholesterol is something that is uh, crucial to good brain health. And, and so it, that's that's their research, not mine. And it's kind of a it's kind of an obvious thing looking in hindsight when the U.S. government recommends that everybody <laughs> do something for their health. It's probably not a good call. Just go ahead and double check it, and yeah, <laughs> and don't so, go all in on that. And, and one of the famous things that everybody's seen, and a lot of um, good insights have been gleaned from this mistake over the years was the food pyramid. Like everybody grew up with the food pyramid where there's tons and tons and tons of grains at the bottom of the food pyramid. And I have visions of uh, lunch ladies and the food pyramid propaganda just swimming through my mind right now of uh, elementary school. Yeah. And and so (laughs) that was created by someone. And I think a lot of times in society, we forget that things that those things can be created and that new traditions can be are being created every single day and that was a tradition that that did not exist like in 1920 there was no food pyramid yeah. so this was something that was created and um, there's lots of things that went into that and you can go look it up after this about the food pyramid but it was really really bad and I, I think that this is important to to bring up because it is a it's a warning for Every, everyone. It's like, you know, paleo might not be the answer for you. There's uh, a bunch of people, we were talking about this earlier, who are eating 100% only meat now. <laughs> and yeah. that is another example of where, you know, we didn't get to where we're at by consuming only one thing or only one type of thing. Like our evolutionary success is predicated on the fact that we test and we try out thousands of different foods and different things in, in our diet. Uh, in fact, one of the most, uh, you know, influential people that we cite here a lot is Terrence McKenna. And he has a, a wild theory about the foods and the inputs that that people consume that we'll get into later. But anyways, let's take it back to what happened when in 1992, the government started recommending a low fat, high carbohydrate diet. So the American Heart Association followed suit in around 1994. They started advocating the same thing. Then the food pyramid posters started showing up. Uh, then the low fat products started being marketed everywhere. And the results were that, so if we look at the amounts of diabetes and reported cases of diabetes before all this went up, there were about 6.4 million diabetics in the United States in 1990. So Ian, any guess of what that number jumped to by 2009? No idea. So after the successful implementation of the low fat and pyramid uh, food posters and everything like that, after that successful marketing campaign went out um, by 2009, the number of diabetics had exploded to around 21 million. So now we have one person dying from diabetes every six seconds. That is a travesty in one of the most uh, financially successful countries in the world. Why are people dying from overconsumption and the wrong types of foods? Well, I think part of it too is that science has gotten so much better. So we're way better at taking care of people um, and fixing them when they have problems. And when you have those two things, bad inputs in people's bodies, and we're still, but we're, but we're getting better at, better at fixing people. It's you can't necessarily draw cause and effect, or people didn't necessarily draw cause and effect for a long time. This is why nobody 
has really talked about it. And then you have things like the movie Super Size Me or whatever it is um, that have come out over time where it's like, yeah, if you eat, you know, McDonald's for X amount of days, like it is horrific for your body. That stuff just didn't really exist and people weren't really concerned about it. Like 1992 is not a long time ago. That's very recent. No, it really is. And I I think what, uh, so if we're not advocating any specific thing, I think we are advocating a, uh, a generalized approach to find some better inputs because it's not about, uh, you know, finding a panacea or that one diet or that one thing is impossible. It's something that we each have to experiment with over time. And I mean, you can see this with people that test positive for different allergies. Sometimes that goes away after a couple of years. They just all of a sudden are not allergic to anything anymore and then can start eating uh, dairy again or you know whatever the case is. Um, nutrition is something that's still very much, it's a field that's in its infancy. So this is all new stuff. I think the most interesting well, dietitians thing- dietitians aren't scientists. I mean, I don't know. It just, yeah, it depends on how you define it. I don't know. Maybe yeah, they, some of them, uh, some of the more- um, ambitious dietitian researchers or whatever. Yeah, yeah. They can no, say, uh, I just mean, so if you... Oh, like nutritionists or like... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. R, what is it, RAs or the people? I don't I think, know. I think most dietitians, they go to school for like five years and they get a um uh, Maybe a I'm degree. just thinking of nutritionists. Yeah, maybe I am too. I don't know. But the, so either way, yeah. this is part of the problem, right? Nobody knows. Yeah, it's, uh, it's still, it's an emerging field. And the most helpful way to think about how to filter out the food and find better inputs that we found is based on something that is the uh, the Lindy effect that we talked about earlier. So the books and the things and the countries and the traditions that have survived the longest typically survived because there is an inherent wisdom or collection of things that they solve that might not be apparent from glancing at them at the surface. Um, so the effect was uh, named after this researcher named Lindy who discovered that if something had survived for 10 years, the probability that it would survive for um, longer than something that had only existed for one year was much higher. So age contains wisdom. Just by nature of surviving for a long time, there's um, really important wisdom there. So this is really interesting because we can create a diet or when in doubt about choice A or choice B, we can basically prefer the choice that has uh, that more closely mimics the diet of our ancestors. So if a choice has been around longer, so if choice A has been around, if we've been doing it as humans for thousands of years, it might be a better idea than choice B if choice B is something that was introduced in, say, 1992 because the words low fat could be applied to the packaging. So so Leo Tolstoy said, Every, everyone thinks of changing the world, but no one thinks of changing himself himself wisdom this is why yeah we've got to start with ourselves start with the inputs and it yeah ripples out into the world yeah that's really why this stuff is so important it's just people should be thinking about it more the most important two things that you do every day are sleep and eat and drink you know as part of that they're really important inputs and a lot of people just don't put a much thought into it yeah so an example of this and how to think about the lindy effect when it comes to choosing an input is um, liquids. So when we're drinking beverages, that's a great example where that's a, a type of uh, you know food that has traditionally tons and tons of sugar. The second you buy anything off the shelf that's a drink, you're going to get a ton of sugar. So when you're trying to make a choice here and decide between the two, um, this is something that Nassim Taleb talks about, but uh, prefer the liquids that we've been drinking for thousands of years. So water, tea, coffee, wine, lemon water, 
um, apple cider vinegar, which is references uh, Aristotle basically thought of apple cider vinegar as the, uh, the cure-all for everything. So he would advocate that people stay away from the doctor and just drink apple cider vinegar. We do not go to the, do- <laughs> go to the doctor if you need to. But so all those liquids are examples of things that have been around for a really long time. And the alternatives to those, you know, your choice B might be fat-free milk, soda, fruit juices, sports drinks, and energy drinks. Um, and have you ever seen Idiocracy? Yeah. <laughs> oh man. I just, so <laughs> Becky just had me watch that the other day. Oh, yeah. Mike Judd. I, what a, what a champ. But so in idiocracy, it's uh, in the future where um, only the uh, less intelligent people, uh, the less intelligent people are prone to reproduce the most. Uh, what a, like a bold movie, by the way. I, just, I can't believe. So out there. It is a staggering indictment of, uh, society and humanity i can't believe mike judd gets uh away with some of the That's stuff like but wally I was the same him. way yeah or wally i mean again like a little bit preachy for sure yeah um but but that's all right i mean that's what i, I kind of like though i like where creators experiment with uh being preachy because it's it, it's something that like no you don't like it but then at the same time if somebody has found something important or really has wisdom that's important i want them to tell me i want them yeah, to basically that's like, a good point. shake me and get me that good information so i can make um, but, but maybe that's just a personal thing. So here, here's a really like fun example as we, oh, and back to idiocracy. So everybody in the future is basically drinking, mindlessly drinking, um, uh, something like Gatorade because it has electrolytes. And of course, nobody can say why electrolytes are important. Um, but basically it's just, everybody's drinking sugar water nonstop. And what we have today is a situation where most people are drinking sugar water or some type of sugary beverage all day long. And the alternatives are so exciting because they, um, yeah, they're packed with uh, stimulants, caffeine, um, a little bit of alcohol. These are things that are actually not bad for you. And uh, a really fun test, too, of why these liquids are, in my mind anyways, um, pretty transformative is, you know, that 3 p.m. slump type thing where you're feeling yeah. a little bit tired in the afternoon. So this is a great experiment. If you take a shot of apple cider vinegar, and we can actually do this after this episode to kind of like, I'll prove this uh, point to you which we have taken shots of apple we cider have, vinegar in true. the past. Um, so you can grab an eight ounce glass of water, pour a shot of apple cider vinegar, vinegar so around one to two ounces in the water, um, shake it up, use a straw so you keep your teeth enamel safe and, and down it. And what this will do is normalize your blood sugar. And so instead of caffeine, you can use something that is um, nature's remedy in, in a very real way. You'll feel more awake, uh, you'll feel good. And I've actually... I mean, I've been talking about this publicly for a while. I've got several private messages from people who read this when um, when I was publishing this a while ago and talking about it. And it was literally like, I felt like a weight loss like uh, guru because these people were writing me saying like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. I've been doing this and I've lost 20 pounds. I've lost 30 pounds. Uh, I feel great. I feel better. I don't. I need less coffee in the morning. Yeah, it's just really cool to see. So you know, it's funny. I was at the garlic shop off of, if uh, you're familiar the bay area at all there's this place off of i think 101 um in gilroy oh, and so for those of you who don't know gilroy is like famous for its for garlic. garlic yeah so anyways this place called the garlic shop they have all sorts of like cool little things there and they had this thing called like i don't know it's like farmer joe's it's like farmer joe's acid reflux blocker or something like that <laughs> something like that right and i look at this and it's like it's an old ancient like Amish way to block heartburn, and it was just, and it's like literally a bottle of apple cider cider vinegar and some other things. I'll bring it. I'll bring it to you. Uh, I have it at my house. I bought it. 
that's uh, that's really funny. really cool. But that's um, I, I think that I mean I'm fascinated by the, the Who knows? Little, little side note there. But uh, I, I think anyone that and any group of people that can uh, live off the grid so successfully and have a nice community that's it's just, I think it's a really cool thing. Um, but the, yeah, the point being with all this is that you know personalizing it to yourself is. The only way you can get there is through experimenting with uh, with a bunch of different things. Um, inflammation is something that there are more and more kits now where you can start to measure or track where you're at on that. And you can go to the doctor and see, they can actually run some tests, uh, draw some blood, and you can see like, are you, do you have a bunch of inflammatory markers in your, your blood sample? And if this is the, if inflammation is what leads to, and more and more researchers, by the way, think that inflammation is what causes uh, ADHD, anxiety, stress, headaches, um, depression, diabetes, ep- epilepsy. We can literally go down the list, and um, this is exciting stuff. That you know, basically by choosing to leave out some of these high sugar foods, you can start to get a handle on any of these other uh, conditions, which is really really exciting. And this is um, what Dr. Perlmutter reminds us that is actually like happening when you increase your blood sugar with sugary drinks or carbohydrates. So when your blood sugar increases, there's an immediate depletion of the neurotransmitter serotonin, which makes you feel good, epinephrine, uh, and norepinephrine, which basically give you energy, GABA, uh, that's an, of course a really big simplification. Um, GABA is kind of another feel-good one, and dopamine, same thing. At the same time, B-complex vitamins, which are needed to make those neurotransmitters and a few hundred other things, get used up. Magnesium levels also diminish, and this handicaps both your nervous system and liver. So what the sugar does is basically saps your body of all the vital nutrients and minerals and vitamins that it needs to produce all the chemicals and hormones that are going to make you feel good and make your all your body uh, work right and um, keep you less stressed and relaxed. So that's, um, yeah, just a really good reminder. Yeah. If you want to read more about this, go check out Great Brain. Grain Brain. But uh, Great Brain is um, <laughs> yeah. another. Or you should also figure out how to say the name of a book, which is called <laughs> Grain Brain. <laughs> Gosh. Oh, no um, and Surprising truth about wheat, carbs, and sugar. And Here. I think when in doubt, too, when you're running these personalized tests of um, what's a better input for you, whether it's a liquid or food or whatever, uh, try subtracting. Because oftentimes we think about adding and taking one thing away and then seeing how you feel for the next couple of weeks is a great way uh, to not, you know, mess with the variables too much and just see how that one thing. So pick out one thing that might be a suspect. Maybe it's uh, your breakfast or, you know, orange juice at breakfast or something like that. Suspect. Um, and then, yeah, uh, t- take take that out. Okay, final thing and then we'll leave. I think it's funny that a lot of the old school methods of like, you know, water, coffee, tea, all, uh, all those things, it's basically just they're boiling water because that makes it more healthy and then they're putting a little bit of something in it. Yeah, just ground up coffee beans and then put them in your your boiled water. Or, oh, that's time. We got to get out of here. <laughs> we have a timer now. That's awesome. I didn't know that. See everybody next time. Hey listeners, thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time.